0: I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, An Introduction to the Biblical Festivals. This is part one of the series. I would like to welcome everybody to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Class. We are going to begin a series of teaching on the Biblical Festivals. This lesson is going to be an introduction to the Biblical Festivals. In studying the Biblical Festivals, the first thing we need to ask ourselves, especially for believers in the Messiah who have been brought up in traditional Christianity, who haven't been taught the festivals to identify with the festivals is why should we be studying the biblical festivals? Well, to begin with, the biblical festivals are in the Bible and all the Bible is inspired by the God of Israel through the Ruach HaKodesh. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. When we read here all scripture is inspired, we need to understand that the New Testament as we have it today was not formally canonized when those words were written. So all scripture is a reference to what is called the Hebrew. Hebrew scriptures. And the Hebrew scriptures are known by an acronym of Tanakh. The acronym comes from the T, and Tanakh stands for the Torah, the first section of the Hebrew scriptures. And if you get a Jewish published Bible, the next section of the scriptures is known as the prophets. The Hebrew word for prophet is nevi, the plural is nevaim. The third section is known as the writings. What is contained in the writings is Psalms and Proverbs and other books. The Hebrew word for writings is Ketuvim. If we take the the T in Torah, the N in Nevaim, which represents the prophet, and the K in Ketuvim, which represents the writings, we have the acronym Tanakh which we use Hebraically to refer to the Hebrew Scriptures. The order of the Hebrew Scriptures is how Yeshua referred to them in Luke chapter 24 in verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the Torah of Moses, and in the prophet, and in the Psalms concerning me. So Yeshua made reference to the Hebrew Scriptures in the order that they appear in a Jewish published Bible today. What are some other reasons why we should study the biblical festivals? Well it tells us in Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 that the biblical festivals are a shadow of things to come. Notice to come is future. The substance of them, the body of them teaches us about the Messiah. Often in traditional Christianity Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 is quoted as a proof text of why we shouldn't be following the biblical festivals actually I would say just the opposite it should be a proof text of why we should it says let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or respect of a holy day the holy day is a reference to the annual festivals or of the new moon which is also a festival or of the sabbath is also a festival which are a shadow of things to come but the body is of the messiah first of all in verse 16 it says let no man judge you it doesn't say don't do them and don't be judged for not doing them what it's saying is don't be judged in how you do them because it is not written in the Bible in explicit detail how we're to celebrate these festivals guidelines are given but it's not laid out in explicit detail how we are to observe the biblical festivals traditional Christianity emphasizes in Colossians 2.17 the word shadow it's a shadow meaning it passed keep reading it is a shadow or or a blueprint is really how you should see that. Of something to come. Colossians is written after the death of Messiah on the tree. And we're told that these festivals teaches us of something to come. If it's written after Messiah died on the tree. And it's talking about something to come. What's it talking about? His second coming. The biblical festivals will teach us about the second coming of the Messiah. Which it says the body or the substance of these things teaches us about the Messiah. In examining the biblical festivals and how they teach us about the Messiah, we will learn that the spring festivals emphasize and teach us about the first coming of the Messiah. The fall festivals emphasize and teach us about the second coming of the Messiah. How do the spring festivals teach us about the first coming of the Messiah? When we examine the events surrounding the death, burial, or resurrection of the Messiah, the scriptures will teach and explain to us that Messiah died on Passover. He was in the ground the very next day, which begins the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Messiah was resurrected three days after he was put into the ground. He would have resurrected on first fruit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it links the resurrection of Messiah with first fruit. 50 days following first fruit is the Feast of Shavuot, or the Feast of Pentecost. This is the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. For the fall festival will teach us about the second coming of the Messiah. What are some of the major events of the second coming of the Messiah? The resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead, the literal individual resurrection of the dead of believers in the Messiah will happen on the Feast of Trumpet, traditionally called Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. In talking about the resurrection of the dead, traditional Christianity, when you speak of the resurrection of the dead, usually exclusively focuses on individual resurrection but we need to remember that Israel the house of Jacob is in exile and in Ezekiel 37 it talks about there was a valley of dry bones and the question was asked can these bones live it says that those bones are the whole house of Israel and that they will come up out of their graves and come back to the land of Israel the graves is a reference to the nations of the world and he thought in understanding the definition of the term resurrection of the dead it not only speaks of individual resurrection will we receive our immortal bodies but the redemption of the house of Jacob from exile is also likened unto resurrection of the dead next Messiah will set his feet down on the Mount of Olives on Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement if you will study what the scripture says about him setting his feet down on the Mount of Olives it will be using Yom Kippur terminology and then the Feast of Tabernacles emphasis and teaches us about the Messianic era so those would be the major event of the fall festivals and there's many details in addition to that big picture and still examining why we need to study the biblical festivals we need to realize that the festivals will teach us about the complete redemptive land of the God of Israel and it has an application individually in our lives as believers in the Messiah because because Passover is all about leaving Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world in the world system. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 23 and 24 that the reason why the God of Israel brought his people out of Egypt was to take them to the promised land. The reason why he saves us is to perfect us and he desires for us to be his bride. He wants us to be a people who will serve serve Messiah and be dedicated to the service of the kingdom of the God of Israel. So individually the festivals will teach us about coming out of the world and the promised land is fulfilling the will of the God of Israel in our lives, fulfilling the calling that he has on our lives. And he has a unique calling and a unique task for each and every person, especially believers in Yeshua as the Messiah. How can we make the link that coming out of Egypt, is analogous to leaving the world and the world system when we put the blood of the Lamb upon the doorpost whenever we accept Yeshua into our hearts and our lives? How can we apply that event to our lives individually and personally? That is because we are told in the Scripture that each generation needs to see themselves, each person needs to see themselves, that they came out of Egypt. We are admonished to do this by the Apostle Paul and First. Corinthians, Corinthians in chapter 10. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing primarily to non Jewish believers in the Messiah. And in writing to non Jewish believers in the Messiah, he says these words to them Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and that they all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. I want you to notice that Paul says don't be ignorant that all. He uses the word all five times. Don't be ignorant that all of our fathers did this. How does traditional Christianity view the Egyptian Exodus? Oh that was something that happened to them in another book of our Bible that doesn't relate and pertain to us today. We don't identify with it. We don't associate with it. It's in our Bibles. It's a part of our history understanding who we are but we don't personally identify with it Paul says to identify with it he says don't be ignorant that all of our fathers were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea they all were baptized in the Moses in the cloud and in the sea they all did eat the same spiritual meat they all did drink the same spiritual drink wait a second all did this? you realize that that's not literally true my father and my grandfather didn't literally come out of Egypt your father and grandfather grandfather didn't literally come out of Egypt. The Apostle Paul's father and grandfather did not literally come out of Egypt. So when he says, "Don't be ignorant," all of our fathers did this. That obviously is not literally true. So does he not know what he's talking about? Is he telling us a lie? Something that's not possible? Or is he trying to communicate something to us that is valid through Hebraic thought, but is not valid through Greek logical thought? Well, all of our fathers passing through the sea is, in fact, a Torah concept. And we all know our Bibles well enough to realize that when Paul is writing and speaking and referring to the Exodus and says, Don't be eager that all of our fathers did this, that all that he was doing was quoting from the Torah, right? He's just teaching you Torah. Well, in fact, that is the case. Where in the Torah is Paul quoting and making a reference to? It is in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 12 through 15. It says that you should enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath with the Lord your God makes with you this day that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself that he may be unto you a God as he has said unto you and as he has sworn unto your fathers to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob look at this verse 14 neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath but the covenant and the oath that was made at Mount Sinai is being made with two groups of people with him that stands here with us this day before the Lord our God and it's being made also with him that is not here with us this day. What group was Paul referring to when he said, don't be ignorant that you were there? Well, obviously, you're a part of the group that wasn't there that are supposed to see themselves as if you're there. You weren't there but you were there. This is repeated for us in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 8. And you shall show your son in that day. Now, what period of time is in that day? In that day is sometime in the future. In future generations. How your son and and succeeding generations. But Hebraically, the phrase in that day is an idiomatic expression for the Messianic era. So we'll still be telling our sons in the Messianic era that the God of Israel brought them out of Egypt and we'll be doing this in the celebration and the remembrance when we do Passover. And you shall show your son in that day saying this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. But wait a second. Do you realize that the son in that day did not literally come out of Egypt. But the commandment is to tell your son that he did come out of Egypt. So it's not literally true. So how can it be a valid commandment? That's because it is a Torah concept. It's a Hebraic concept that you are a part of the covenant that the God of Israel made with his people if you are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel. See, the God of Israel may have made a covenant with Abraham, but you could still be a part of that covenant even though you weren't physically there when he made the covenant with Abraham. So we need to understand that the feasts were given for our learning. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 Now all these things happen unto them for examples, but they are written for our admonition, look, upon whom the ends of the world are come. The things that happen to them are admonition and instruction for those who are living in the end of the ages. Why would those in the end of the ages need the encouragement and the understanding of what the God of Israel did when he delivered his people out of Egypt. Why would the people in the end of days need to identify with that and be encouraged by that? If, as what is taught in traditional Christianity, that we're out of here and we miss all the problems. Well, we don't need to worry about what happened to them as an encouragement to us if we're out of here. Only if we identify with the covenant that was made with our forefathers, if we identify with the covenant, if we really see that we were at Mount Sinai which is what Paul said to do, don't be ignorant that all of our fathers were under the cloud they all passed to the sea and if so if we all came out of Egypt, where did we go? We went to Mount Sinai. What happened at Mount Sinai? A covenant was made with us and our forefathers, with those who are there and those who are not there and so what did we and our forefathers do? We broke the covenant. How did Daniel pray? I and my forefathers broke the covenant. How did Nehemiah pray? I and my forefathers broke the covenant. I sinned, just. As my forefathers have sinned. So, in sinning, what did the God of Israel do? He sent us out into the nations of the world. Guess what? I am in the United States of America right now. And if my forefathers were obedient to keeping the commandments of the God of Israel, you know where I would have been born and you know where I'd be living right now? In Israel. But I'm in exile because my forefathers broke the commandment, and I am an heir of those sins. And the promise of the God of Israel is that He's going to redeem his people from the nations and bring them back to the land of Israel. How do we understand him redeeming us from our being scattered in the nation? It's likened unto the historical Egyptian redemption. So we need to understand what happened historically in the Passover because in the future we're going to have an event just like it upon whom the ends of the ages are come and it is going to be a parallel here in the end of days what happened back then. So in Romans chapter 15 verse 4 it also says whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The biblical festivals were carried out in a literal manner. A literal people went to a literal place and they expressed themselves through literal services. It has a spiritual application. Everything that was done naturally has a spiritual application. It is for our learning, our instruction. So the natural was given to understand the spiritual. And 1 Corinthians 15 46 and 47 it says Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual but that which is natural afterward that which is spiritual for the first man is of the earth earthly that's Adam and the second man is the Lord from heaven the second man is Yahweh from heaven that is Yeshua by studying the natural we can understand the spiritual 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 while we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The God of Israel wants us to walk in the spiritual eternal truths of His kingdom and have that heart relationship with Him. He gave us the external to teach us the spiritual truths. There are four important elements and aspects of the festivals that, in studying them, we need to keep in mind. Number one, all the festivals literally are associated and connected with agriculture. They're agricultural festivals. Number two, all the festivals are historical. They've, they've already been given by the God of Israel, shown how to perform them, but they are prophetic. They have a spiritual application, both individually and as it relates to the Messiah. Number three, all the festivals will teach about the redemptive plan of the God of Israel through Yeshua the Messiah and the restoration of all things through him. And number four, all the festivals will teach about our personal relationship with Yeshua the Messiah. So as we study the festivals, we are going to examine them on an individual level and in application, and also as they relate and pertain to Yeshua the Messiah. Now the reason why we study the festivals: the festivals are blueprint of the redemptive plan of the God of Israel through Yeshua the Messiah. And once again, we will reiterate: the festivals will teach us how we are redeemed from Egypt, which is the type of the world and the world system, by putting the blood of the lamb that is the blood of Messiah upon the doorpost that is our heart which is the celebration of Passover or Pesach and how we grow from children in the kingdom of heaven with a slave or a worldly mentality that's what happens when we come out of Egypt we still have a mindset of the world the world's ways the world's systems and we have a slave mentality and we come out of that in the Messiah and we learn and we grow in full spiritual maturity by walking in the will of the God of Israel for our our lives so that we can journey and fulfill our spiritual promised land which is associated with the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot which is known as the season of our joy. So if we're studying the Feast what is the definition of Feast? Leviticus chapter 23 verse 2 it says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the Feast of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation. even these are mine." feet. Notice when we read the word feast, it is the Hebrew word moed. It is Strong's number 4150 in the Strong's dictionary. James Strong wrote a concordant where he assigned an arbitrary numerical value to every Hebrew word in the Hebrew scriptures and to each Greek word in the Barit Padasha or the New Testament. So the word feast here in Leviticus 23.2, the Hebrew word moed means an appointed time, a set time, an appointed time. It is also a reference to an appointed place and an appointed season. So it says these are the set appointments of the God of Israel. Now in Leviticus chapter 23 verse 6, it says on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread under the Lord. This word feast is the Hebrew word hog and it's the Strong's number 2282. The word hog comes from the Hebrew root word hug which is the Strong's number 2287. So, hog, which comes from hagog, means to move in a circle, to march in a sacred procession, to celebrate, to dance, to hold a solemn feast or a holiday. So, these are set appointments, Moed, of the God of Israel, and they are circular. They are to be performed on a yearly basis. Continuing on, in Leviticus 23 verse 4 it says these are the feasts of the Lord they are holy convocations holy convocation is the Hebrew word mikra it is the strong's number 4744 and the Hebrew word mikra means a rehearsal so these are set appointment moed of the God of Israel that are to be performed yearly hag, and they are rehearsals So you are rehearsing something. Well, when you rehearse, you rehearse for the day when you will actually be doing the real thing. You're rehearsing for the real thing. You're preparing and understanding and identifying with the real thing. By examining the Hebrew words regarding the celebration of the festivals, they are rehearsals of fixed appointments by the God of Israel that are to be performed yearly by a sacred assembly of the God of Israel's chosen people at a fixed time during a fixed time or season. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, An Introduction to the Biblical Festivals. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.